Hello, I'm Monty Church, and welcome to my camp. Or I should say, aloha. Many believe this to be the ultimate paradise on earth, but we'll let you be the judge of that. We purposely picked this place for today's episode on the subject of heaven, which we've entitled, The Land with No Fences. Beautiful call, isn't it? Not only do the birds of this paradise remind us of what heaven will be like, but it also gives us a glimpse of our Creator's handiwork. Yet the Book of Heaven says, Eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. In the meantime, let's check out this Pearl of the Pacific. Let's go for a swim. Isn't this beautiful? Look at all these colors. Everywhere, it just seems to be so peaceful here. Look at that fish. Incredible. That's a big fish. That's a real big fish. I'm out of here. As beautiful as this paradise on earth is, there's no question that there's danger all around us. It makes you realize that there really isn't any paradise on this earth, is there? But why, you ask? As a result of sin, not only has the beauty of the earth come in peril, but even the most tender relationships sometimes end up in disaster. Men's selfish choices bring pain and unhappiness and destruction. And even the beauty of the Creator is being destroyed on the earth. And that's why the Bible warns us, God will destroy those who destroy the earth. Really, my friends, in comparison, the best paradises of this world have very little to offer. At best, they're only temporary. This is why the Book of Heaven says that the Christian looks for something better, which God has prepared for us in the earth made new. Now, this is no excuse for us not to protect and care for our environment. We as native people call the ground we stand on Mother Earth because as defective as it may be, our Creator uses it to provide us with all the things we have. So let's take care of it. Here on this island centuries ago, ancient Hawaiian kings slid through giant waves to prove their bravery and strength. Today, we call this surfing. Millions all over the world come to the ocean here just to experience the power of these waves. Some believe this communion with nature brings them closer to their creator. I want you to meet a friend of mine who as a Christian can certainly testify of what we've been talking about. It's true that everybody that comes to our island, or these islands, say how beautiful Hawaii is, and it's the closest that they will probably ever get to heaven. But there is a text in the Bible that says, your eyes have not seen, nor your ears have heard. 
No, your mind can imagine the wonders that I have in store for you as my son, as my daughter, as my child. And so as beautiful as Kauai is, we still have our share of reminders that we're still living on a sinful planet. We still wrestle with drugs and crime and all kinds of domestic problems. So while we may be a place of beauty and paradise here on this island, I cannot wait for what the Lord has in store for us in the beauty of heaven. I remember when I was very young in the church, I was elected to be on a church board and while we were waiting for the pastor to come, we, were, we started talking about heaven and what it will be like and what are we looking forward to. And being young in the church and just being an avid surfer, I told the group, when I get to heaven, don't look for me for a thousand years because I'm going to be surfing. <laughs> that caused a little stir on church board, but they excused me because I was young. And so I grew up surfing, beautiful waves. At about the eighth grade, I told my mom that it was enough church for me, and I went my own way. And one, one day while I was out in the surf, at our favorite surf spot, the waves were very small that day. I mean, nothing that would ever knock you off your board. And yet, three times, the Lord knocked me off my board, took my board all the way in to the shore, to the sand and I had to crawl over the reef. Now, to you that may not mean much to crawl over the reef, but in those days, the bottom of my feet were very hard, and I could literally run on the reef to go get my board. But that day, for those three waves, it felt like there was glass in my feet. And I couldn't walk, I had to crawl all the way into shore, about 100 yards into shore. And at, after the third wave, I told the Lord, okay, I understand, it's you calling me back. And I made my way back to his, to church and to his uh, body. One of, the, one of the greatest things a surfer can ever experience while surfing is to be what we call in the tomb. That is when the wave forms a circular barrel and you're, you sneak in into that barrel and the wave just swallows you up and everybody that's watching cannot see you. But as they follow the wave, you go in on one end and you pop out on the other like going through a tunnel. And that is the epitome of a surfer's dream. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because in that barrel, you experience God's awesome power and how much control God has over all of that power. And just lets me know that everything is at peace with me. And that is awesome. That is just totally awesome. Bert was a very rough kind of person. He liked to drink, he liked to smoke, he liked to fight, and so did I. Bert continued with his lifestyle while mine changed and I became a Christian. And as far as I knew, Bert didn't accept Jesus Christ. As many times as we talked to Bert, it was all a myth. In fact, his background was that of a Buddhist. And then one day I got the call that Bert had passed away. And my heart ached because I had wanted to share Jesus with Bert, and I never did. I thought I tried, but I had given up too easy. 
And so when I got the news, I went to visit his wife, and we got to talking. And his wife told me some of the most incredible news that I heard. That Bert had given his heart to Jesus. And I just cried and cried and cried. And I realized that God is not, God wants me to be involved in his work. But if I don't go and tell my friends, he will raise up the stones, as the Bible says, to build up his kingdom. And I learned the lesson that day that I don't want a stone to take my place. I want to be a part of God's work. And Gail is Bert's wife. She asked me to be a part, to have a part in Bert's service and to know that Bert had given his heart to Jesus. As, hot, as aching as my heart was, as heavy as my heart was, yet there was joy. Joy that, to know that I will see Bert again, that his wife will see Bert again. And so I look forward to that day. I'll see Bert and I'll be able to tell Bert how sorry I was that I didn't tell him about Jesus when I had the chance, but how glad I am that his wife, by her faithfulness, shared the life of Jesus with him and he accepted Jesus. And now we can share eternity together. If there's surf, we'll surf together forever. But if there's only flying on eagles' backs, then that's what we'll do. We'll fly on an eagle's back together. So there's a lot of people that I'm looking forward to seeing again when I get to heaven. But even more than them, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus and I want to see the angels because I must have some very patient angels that God has used to keep me close to Him. What a wonderful testimony of faith and Jesus' promises. Like Brian said, he's looking forward to a place where all things will be restored to us. You know, this business of heaven is not just a spiritual idea, but the book of heaven says it's a real, tangible place that Jesus is preparing for us. It's referred to as God's promise or the Lord's promise. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The location is described this way. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven, commonly referred to in the Bible, is the air about us in which the birds fly and bless us with their grace. The second heaven refers to the galaxy in the solar system where the planets circle in clock-like precision. But the third heaven is where God's throne is, where the angels dwell, the very center of the universe. The Book of Heaven calls heaven a city where God dwells, where we'll be taken to when Jesus comes a second time. The Bible says that when we've been in heaven a thousand years, our Creator is going to do something amazing right before our eyes. Listen to this. He will recreate this old earth from its ashes, 
back to the way he's always intended it to be. It'll be flawless. In fact, it'll even be more beautiful than what we see here today. Isn't that going to be awesome? Wouldn't you like to be there to see it too? You can. Because of God's presence, this new earth will become the center of the universe. He loves you, and he's waiting for you just now. Come to him. Once again, we read in the Bible, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There are certain things that the Book of Heaven is very clear about. And one of those things is there will be no more pain or sickness there. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Oftentimes, people have asked me, will we have families in heaven like we do here? And will we recognize each other throughout endless ages in heaven? In fact, we'll know each other better there than we do here because we won't be changing in looks as the years go by because there will never grow old. Our families in heaven will exist in harmony and in love. One good thing about God's plan for eternity is that no one will bring to heaven their material possessions. In fact, our families are the only thing we can take to heaven with us. Friends, I pray for you that your family will all be there in the new kingdom without the loss of one. Take a look at this beautiful fruit. They grow all around us here in this island paradise. When we get to heaven, what is it we're going to eat? And exactly where are we going to live? Now here's another point about heaven that should appeal especially to all our native brothers and sisters. Heaven will be a land with no fences. Our heavenly land, our inheritance that we're going to enjoy throughout all eternity, will never be taken away from us again. The Bible says, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. There won't be any greed. There won't be any wars or land takeovers because these kind of people that do these things simply won't be there. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. As we talk about this subject of heaven, this place is one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. And I thought it would be good for us just to go take a look. Come with me. Won't it be wonderful to live in a place where everyone loves the Lord in His righteous ways? Won't it be neat to live in a society where everyone loves each other and respects each other? It will be like the best of our native villages, where our kids feel welcome, safe, 
cared for in every home. There are so many gifts that the Lord has in store for us. But the greatest gift of all, and I think we all agree, is the gift of life eternal. Just think, the idea of never having to worry about death or dying again. Won't that be wonderful? No more death, no more funerals, no more tears, no more loneliness. I can hardly wait to get there. Can you? It's been God's plan all along that you were created to live forever. The most wonderful thing that I can tell you is this, that God's Word says that you have always been a part of His plan, and you will always be a part of His plan, unless you choose not to. The Book of Heaven says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you or set you apart. You see, by accepting God's plan for you, you can be one of God's saints now. You've got everything to gain and absolutely nothing to lose. The Book of Heaven says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to be His sons and daughters. But you say, how can I have any assurance about heaven when I know what kind of sinner I've been here on earth? When Jesus comes, there will be only two groups of people. Sinners who will be lost and the righteous who will be saved. How can I know today that I can actually count on being saved to live eternally in heaven, the land of no fences? This is perhaps the most important question that you could ever ask. But the answer here is very clear. Jesus says, He who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And with this he says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized for the remission of your sins. It's that simple. The Bible says, Love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And you know, God yearns to save those who are developing this kind of thinking. Because, you see, these people are safe to save. But again you say, I really want to live the way God wishes me to. But I'm so weak and sinful. How can Jesus save me? Dear friend, God knows this about you, and He knows this about me. And He's provided a solution for this. He died for us. And being God, His life, His death, can cover all of our lives. And being our Creator, He is able to recreate and give to us a new mind that thinks and acts the way He's always wanted us to. That's all he's looking for in order to save us. Won't you come to him? I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, he says. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's not a matter of having to know all that the Bible teaches, but it's a matter of what we do with what we do know in our human weaknesses, when we attempt to do what is right, 
as the Lord has commanded us. Though we're not perfect, our actions do show what side we're on. It's so much like what happened in 1941 here on the islands when the Japanese surprised the United States Navy by bombing Pearl Harbor. Caught off guard and desperate as the planes came flying low, the Navy soldiers picked up wrenches and tools and threw them at the planes. They didn't do much damage, but the Japanese soldiers certainly knew what side they were on. It's the same way with us when it comes to keeping God's commandments. What side are you on? The Book of Heaven says, Therefore to him who know to do good, and does it not, to him it is sin. Truly this island paradise here is such a beautiful place, but is nothing compared to what God has planned for us. Like my friend Lori, I'm looking forward more and more into the day when heaven will be my home. But let me have Lori tell you about it. I was raised in a Christian home and I, I learned about God and I, I learned that He loved me. I, I knew all those things, but I didn't have uh, a real relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I knew about Him, but I didn't know Him. And there's a big difference. I was a teenager looking for fun, and I got into alcohol. I, I started smoking. I got into drugs. There was no fulfillment. There was a little bit of fun there, but it didn't last. And I would just, I would just finish my weekend or my binge feeling empty. And I thought that I had committed the, the unpardonable sin because I, I thought I had gone too far I knew it wasn't okay to smoke. I knew it wasn't okay to drink. I knew it wasn't okay to do drugs. And, and I, had, I had defied God. I didn't want to come back to him. I really didn't want to come back to him. I went to my dentist, and she, she said, Lori, I'm going to book you into a specialist right away. There's a small spot in the floor of your mouth, and it was precancerous. And what the doctor told me is, I think we're okay, we got it, they removed it, and uh, he said, we got it quick enough, you should be okay, but there's one thing that you have to do, you have no choice, you have to quit smoking. He said it, it is not cancerous yet, but it would turn into full-blown cancer if it continued. That is when I came to the point where I went to my knees and I said, God, I can't, I can't stop this and I'm gonna kill myself. Please do something to make me stop smoking. I prayed a prayer that I guess I, I would have to say it, maybe it was the most selfish prayer that I ever prayed, but it, it went like this. I, I said, God, I, I don't want you in my life, but I know I need you. Please do something to make me want to want you in my life. And in two months, he turned that around. And I wanted him more than anything in my life. There's a feeling that you get when you're struggling with an addiction. Even if you are asking God, even if you are communicating with him, he's right there. 
that you can't see him, you can't feel him, and you feel like there's a wall between you and the Lord. But when he takes, when, when he takes that away, you feel the peace that the Bible talks about, the peace that passes all understanding. I told my parents about this spot in my mouth, and of course, the whole time that I had left the Lord, I know that my mom and my dad were praying constantly for me. And she said, well, if, uh, will you agree to do one thing for me? Will you do it for me? And I thought, oh boy, here we go. I said, okay, mom, I'll do it. Whatever it is, what it, whatever it is, I'll do it. And she said, well, there's, would you meet with a pastor? one of the pastors in one of the churches in Calgary. I played telephone tag with this pastor for a few weeks. And finally he, he said, uh, there's, there's two ladies coming from California and they're, they're gonna be doing a week of prayer. And if you'd like to come and, and have prayer with these two ladies, they're incredible prayer warriors. I went to the meetings and they sat down and they sat in a little circle around me and they, they started to, you know, they prayed and, and I just sat there like a stump. But then we started talking a little bit and I said, I said, finally started to kind of break down a little bit. And I said, if my parents had any idea of some of the things I've done in some of the places I've been, they would be devastated. And Janet took my hand and she said, Lori, you have a father in heaven who's seen everywhere you've been and he's seen everything you've done and he still loves you. And that's something I'll never forget. And it was then that I realized that God did still love me. He did still And that was my turning point. Heaven is a place where there's no addictions, there's no vices, there's no abuse, there's, there's no death. But in heaven, we will have brand new bodies. We won't age. Talks about a, a home in the city and a home in the country. I guess I would like to imagine that he knows me better than anyone else. He probably knows I'd be in the country most of the time, but I'd have a home in the city, and he has prepared a home so much beyond what I could ever imagine. I'm sure we've all imagined and pictured in our mind what heaven will be like and what we'll do when we get there. There are so many things I'm looking forward to seeing when I get to heaven. Flowers and plants that can't die. Wildlife that is harmless. No darkness and no nights there. I look forward visiting with the heroes of old and exploring the new country on the new earth after all the scars are done away with. Traveling to other galaxies. Won't that be awesome? But the biggest thing to me will be seeing Jesus face to face. He who has made all things and rescued me and you and all of us from the sinfulness of this world. We will see that heaven and eternity 
just wouldn't be complete to Jesus without you and me being there. And this is what it's all about. Jesus wanting you to be with him forever. In this land with no fences, is this what you want with all your heart? That's all God is looking for. If I don't get a chance to meet you somewhere on this earth, I'm looking forward to meeting you somewhere in heaven. And until then, let only the good spirit guide you. Aloha.